Welcome to the Job Seekers Radio Podcast with Andrew and Scott, the podcast dedicated to providing meaningful support for you to find great careers faster. Today, I'm sharing with you a hot mic episode. At the end of our last podcast, we had an opportunity to continue recording, and we share that today for your benefit. Enjoy. Connect with that person again and expand your network. This is where you and I would have a debate. Of course. But when it comes down to the idea of um, investing your time, so you invest in those things that actually bring results, right? If you got an interview, that's a result. How do you invest in that? What networking opportunity do you have in that interview? You are opening doors that you would not have had if you hadn't applied for that job and accepted the interview. Now, if it is a situation where you've applied for a job you don't want, and you're interviewing, and it goes really well, and you don't want the job, was it worth it? What do you make of it? What you make of it is what what makes it worth it. Exactly. I get that. So, if you don't want the job, tell them, I don't think this is the right job for me, but I really like the connection I've made with you, and I would like to have another conversation outside of the interview the context process. Of that. Yeah, I'm not sure that this is the right job, but it might be the right company. Yeah, I hear you. For me, when I'm coaching job seekers and people in Breakfast Club, I encourage them to do high value activities during the time you have. Right. If you're working a job search while you're working, different scenario. You, well, it is a scenario. The average job seeker, according to numbers I've seen, spends anywhere between three and 10 hours a week on their job search. Right. Like active job search. That's even people who don't have a job. Right. Well, I I think the biggest problem people have with job search is one, it's overwhelming. They don't know where to start or they know what they think they want. And so that's the only thing they're looking at. And they sit there in front of the computer and look for all the job openings. They apply for a few things and then, okay, well, I'm done. Well, that's all well and good. If that's as much as you can do in a day, well, then you've done what you can do. But if that's just, you're, you're just checking off the checklist, are you really doing a job search? You're relieving tension. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're just relieving anxiety saying, I actually did something. Right. Therefore, I feel good about what I did. But if you let yourself off the hook and that's the only thing you do, you're probably not going to get much in terms of results. So the idea of high value uh, activities, we're really talking about things that increase your chances of good results. Indeed. And so I would suggest that people in Breakfast Club or, or even people in coaching, you can do the applications. You just don't have to do the applications when they want you to do the applications. No, actually, a lot of people get jobs just by applying, even though there wasn't a job posted. Now, people talk about that, and they talk about the hidden job market, and I'm not sure that that's really a true thing. Um, It's really a situation of a job that isn't yet posted, but... It's not advertised. Right. Um, There's nothing really hidden about it. It's just you haven't talked to the right person yet, hence networking. But... High value activity uh, can result 
from applying for anything. The way I approach job searches and the way I coach people is to apply for everything that you would enjoy doing. You may be overqualified, you may be underqualified, but the idea is if you were to get that job, mm. I would actually enjoy doing this. Yeah. So I'm going to apply for it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't deny the fact that people can get jobs from an online application. Where I have trouble is the odds there are so low, right. even if it's a job you really want and you thought, gosh, this is perfect for me, it's the perfect company and everything, you can't just let it sit at the application. No, you're you absolutely have right. to go knock on any door that will open to get you inside that company so that you can get on the corner of the desk of the hiring manager or somebody on that team right. that is going to say, we should look at this guy. Ultimately... The combination of the two really is is what you need to focus on, being sure that you're doing both. The last two jobs that I've had, um, one, well, three jobs, if you uh, include the one I have now, but the two jobs I got prior were from just online job applications, and I was lucky enough to, to rise up through the noise. The last one was a job application, just online, I, I applied for the job, and they actually gave it to someone who was more qualified than I, as they should. But what was interesting about that was when the next opportunity came up, I contacted them, the, the guy that had interviewed me. And I, I called him up, and I, or actually I sent him an email saying, would I be uh, considered. considered, thank you, would I be considered for that role if I applied? And he had the conversation, you are overqualified. And that's when I told him, I can't be overqualified if I can't land a, an interview. It was networking then with him that got me into the, the interview. And then after making the right connections, and I, when I was talking to the woman who would become my boss, I, I, several times she kept looking off in the distance and saying, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about the future. Well, the, the, she made the future that day because... They offered me the job. Don't overlook the fact that you may have elicited that response based on the conversation you had with her. That's exactly what elicited that response. I was talking about the things that she needed in this role that wasn't budgeted until two months later. Amazing. And so they ended up offering me the position. They had to finish writing the paperwork, which is why it took them an extra day to give me the offer because they weren't prepared yet. Mm. But it, had I not gone in for the interview for the job I was willing to take because I wanted to be in a company that aligned with my values, I would never have landed the job I got. The last job I got that I have now uh -huh. with the company that shall not be named, it, I didn't make an application. I networked with two people that referred me to the inside connection, the vice president. That process itself took three to five days. Yes, I provided them a resume, but it's because we already had a networking conversation to right. know there is a fit culturally with my skill sets and my experience, even though I didn't have documented right. experience as a career consultant, I still had the experience, but I provided something they didn't have. Right. They had co career coaches. They had people come from HR. They didn't have somebody come from sales and marketing. Right. So I provided something that they didn't have. 
And I position myself that way on purpose. Well, and you're also working for a company that actually values this because this is what they teach people to do. So they're putting their money where their mouth is. I, a good friend of mine just got a job with the same organization, basically in the same way. Yeah. He was doing his networking conversations and suddenly it's, oh, you know, you'd be really good here. And he was then introduced to the right person and now he's working. So uh, he's actually coming from the psychological uh, background. He, he's a therapist. Uh, Diversity. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. But if he hadn't been having the conversation in the first place, they would never have made those connections. And this is one of the things that Cleon talks to us about, that it's in the conversations that people are making connections. Oh, I should introduce you to so-and-so. And if you're not telling your story a different way each time, you're not going to make those new connections in other people's heads. Hmm. You've got to be able to tell your story without it being a memorized, scripted, you know, elevator. Unless story. it's your branding statement. Branding statement. Branding is different. statement's different. That's you need to be able that. to segue that into your story. Absolutely. And tell your story anecdotally. But the advantage of a branding statement is it's it's like one, one sentence long. It's how do you get their interest in the first place? We make our impressions within the first five seconds of, of, of being introduced to somebody. And often the impression is actually before we speak. So the first words out of your mouth have to be impactful. Branding statement, you can have as many forms of a branding statement as you want. The idea is to say what's going to interest them out of the gates. And that's why I keep coming back to the marketing term, the hook. Something that is interesting, oh. If it's memorable, oh. All these things come into play, but it's very brief. Memorable. I think that's the key to take away from that. Yeah. Is that if you're describing yourself as something generic or vanilla, or you're describing yourself as your former job description, yeah. Using HR terms. Nothing against HR, but they have their own vernacular. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've worked in HR for a number of years, and you know something? Much of our reputation is deserved. Yeah. Um, the, the idea, coming back to um, what we remember, uh, in advertising we talk a lot about connecting that memorable moment in the ad to the brand itself. And it doesn't have to be about the product or service that we're selling. It just has to somehow get connected. So the idea of BMW, the ultimate driving machine, okay, that's connected to the product that they sell. But it it's stuck and they've kept with it and now everybody knows what brand that phrase comes from. But then there are things like ad campaigns from uh, Volkswagen. So you see the two guys, they're driving in their car and they see this chair on the sidewalk. Mm. And so they put it in the back of their car because it said free on it, right? So it was a plush chair, you know, a, a, an upholstered, comfortable looking chair. But then as they continue to drive, you see them starting to sniff the air. <laughs> and the next thing you see is the, the chair back on the sidewalk. Um, and interestingly enough, that had nothing to do with the car other than you see them driving and they put this in the back of whatever the, the model was. But it wasn't about, the ad itself wasn't about the car. It was about the experience. Same thing, another Volkswagen ad. My favorite Volkswagen ad is when you see these two guys frantically strapping 
a, a mattress to the top of their new Beetle, the new version of the, the Volkswagen Beetle. And you hear cars honking. Clearly, they have double parked here. They're trying to get this mattress somewhere else. And after they frantically tie this thing to the roof, they can't get in the car because they've just tied the, the doors closed. And the, the, the tagline, if you will, after that said, only keep the friends who help you move. <laughs> Love the idea has nothing to do with Volkswagen other than the fact that they were tying it to the top of a Volkswagen. But you remember it. You remember it. All good advertising has a call to action or some, some sort of, or it should have a call to action, some sort of thing they want you to do as a result of your message. Or at least get brand awareness. That's at the very that's, least. It's what they call a that's concept. Part of it. And you're right. You should have some anecdotal diversity. We use that word a lot. You should have a variety of, yeah. of anecdotal evidence that piggybacks on your branding statement. Well, think of it this way. You look at, and, and we won't talk about politics, um, because that's a, a field full of landmines, but what I found really interesting in a, a recent article was talking about how one newspaper had different um, front pages depending on the region in which it was sold. So they were playing to the political viewpoints of their audience. Okay, while I disagree with the concept of keeping people in their bubbles, uh, we won't necessarily talk about what those bubbles look like, but they knew their audience and they adapted the message to resonate within their audience. The same thing needs to be true of our branding statements. We need to have different versions for different audiences. That's where you and I might disagree. To the extent that, I mean, it still needs to be memorable, but what if, if my branding statement presents a specific value that has no bearing on the, the people that I'm going to be talking to, and I can say it differently where it will be relevant, now I've got something to talk about. As long as it doesn't, cha it doesn't change your identity. No, no, no. You're just communicating your identity in a different way. That's my point. However, you'd run the risk of people not remembering you because we talked about repetition. So it takes people, I think, six listenings to remember your message. And it takes them 16 listenings to associate you sure. with your message. So if that's a moving target each time you communicate it. It's not a moving target with the audience that I know. The audience. Okay. So if I'm going to, for example, I'm going to go to a religious-based event, I can present my branding statement in a way that will resonate with that value. And then I go to some other event uh, that has, I don't know, some other uh, basis uh, uh, for that group. I can give a different version of the same message. It is the same message, but I'm going to maybe use a different word, different language, whatever that looks like. And every time I'm with that group or with the religious-based group or any other group, they are hearing a consistent message. As long as they understand in their terms what my values are and how I align, that's okay. But it, the consistency happens with the audience. The idea then is once I'm established and more people know me and we come down to the basic 
branding statement, the one that is the ultimate driving machine, the one that doesn't change, there's a context. I'm tapped out. Are you tapped out? I'm done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Job Seekers Radio Podcast with Scott and Andrew. Please head over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you would please share this with somebody that you think might get value. We truly appreciate you and your time. Thank you again, and we'll see you on the next episode. For show notes, visit jobseekersradio.com.